what's up everyone welcome back to another episode of Walasaha. my name is dominique norales and i want to thank you for pressing play and choosing to spend some time with me and so we jump straight into episode three where we talk about racism in belize and in the last episode i congratulated the government of belize for finally commemorating emancipation and there was a lot of opera about it kind of trying to downplay it and questioning its relevance and so i thought the conversation was pivotal it, it began as in the press release to be named freedom day and then by the time it got to the house of representatives it was named emancipation day as it is throughout the region now the race conversation has for a long time been eluded ignored a victim of attempted erasure but you can't really get rid of stigma, discrimination, hate, murder, and abuse associated with historical racism, just so. It comes up as we discuss politics and the makeup of, of political parties and the parliament. And we can maybe delve into the what I have dubbed as the eugenics of politics in Belize some other time. It comes up, racism comes up as we discuss economics, who you care home for your ma, the distribution of societal ills, every time we don't have a black miss universe belize or when a woman wears her afro out at her office you know in reference to um Trinidad and tobago writer professor emerita rhoda ruddock opined that today racial relationships permeate all social political and economic relationships and an ethnicized consciousness shapes our dominant worldview in other words we see and understand almost everything through the prism of race. Race becomes an explanation for all failure, all achievement, economic decisions, marriage decisions, educational decisions, employment decisions, and of course, voting decisions. You know, I remember when I first joined the NGC in my city and I was giving a presentation to some fellow young people and it was a presentation on leadership. And very often when I do leadership, trainings i focus on identity and i introduced myself as black that was the first thing i said and our president emeritus asked why not garifuna why not garina go first and my answer was simple the world i navigate sees me as black before it sees anything else but more than that i am having a black experience as a black person and growing every day into consciousness of loving that in a world that hates blackness I introduce myself like this very often. Hi, I'm Dominic Norales. I am a black creative of Afro-Indigenous descent from a Latin American and Caribbean country, Belize. That's how I introduced myself. Now, I went to a convent school, SCA, and so I am a Mercy Girl, St. Catherine Academy. And one of the first things I asked my mom to do when I got accepted to her alma mater was to straighten my hair because SCA girls had straight hair. My grandmother always loved straight hair. My sister had relaxed hair too, so why not? I, I thought of it as a important step um, toward becoming an adolescent, right? And later I found I found or I learned the language of what that was. I, I, I learned to name that. And I was really being groomed to prefer Eurocentric features. Of course, later on, when I graduated from SCA. Um, a September afternoon at Pino's Barbershop in Belize City, I just cut my hair off. All of it. <laughs> uh, my first blatant experience with racism came 
when I was in Tennessee. Now I was 15, this was 2012 probably, and we were on an exchange program. So the US State Department has this program where it takes young people from the Caribbean and Latin America and sort of engages us in an exchange program. So um, young Americans come to these countries as well and have an experience, right? So we're placed in schools. We got to visit the capital that was recently insurrected. Um, and I think I was walking home from school. No, I don't remember the exact setting of this thing, but I know it happened, right? So we were, I think, walking home from school. We were in a public space and I was with my whole sister, Sarah, who I love dearly and um this white man came up to to us um he looked like what is described as a redneck and he asked really he asked what is this n-word hard er doing here right and um later in discussions just with my sister and trying to just calm me down because i'm not a very confrontational kid right so um she just said you know this is one of the things that we hope you wouldn't have it experienced but it was an experience um and we later went home and binged on song the music um but it's it's one of those things that happen right and that's a that's a forward experience that i always remember when anything racial comes up and so you know, we just um, kind of had a discussion about it and moved on. But it remains in the fore of my mind. So, you know, those are some of the experiences I had with racism, both overt and covert. And I wanted to get the experience of some of my friends on the record. So I asked three friends, Brighton Cod, Musa Shaid, and Rolando Caballero, um, all whose opinions I value very much to share with me what they feel about racism in belize whether or not from their perspective it exists and what they have experienced no it wasn't an interview i gave them some guiding questions basic questions and i told them to just rattle off for three to five minutes and so that's what they did um, so you can hear them next the order is going to be rolando brighton and then musa three young men who I love and adore and so you can get ready to hear those voices and those stories. Okay so hello everyone um my definition of racism is simple you know as simple as it gets prejudice the discrimination and even the antagonism directed against people of a different race simply you know because of that belief that one race is superior than the other and the truth is we live in a white supremacist world that is not debatable um have i seen racism at plain beliefs definitely no doubt about that i would be lying if i if i say no we like to cover it up with makeup but the truth is that colonial um racism sorry is a colonial relic and racism in belize is covert is very covert um we hear things like royal creoles and these are supposed to be elite light skin um creole people in this country which is something that is not applaudable it's, it's not cute use of derogatory terms such as you know carob and coolie and panya and even calling people 
Spanish and Mestizo. Personally, for me, there are terms that that are that are racist simply because you are um, taking away the identity of of those people, their indigenous roots. Most of these people that we tend to call Mestizo and quote unquote Spanish are indigenous people simply look at their at their surnames their physical appearance these are indigenous people but we have schooled them and brainwashed them to identify as mestizo and then look at the census and then look at the stats of this country we see perhaps over 50 percent as quote-unquote mestizo that is a lie we say that we have three groups of um mayas in this country we know the kekchi maya and we know the mopan maya but then what happened to the yucatec maya people of the north and parts of the west they are there but we call them mestizo that is that is racist and that is you know um taking away from their indigenousness we're also racist some people rather especially the institutional churches are racist towards our spirituality demonizing our spirituality or african spirituality or african beliefs our indigenous spirituality and our indigenous belief people in this country practice the spirituality of their ancestors and that is totally okay we should embrace that um have i experienced racism definitely i recall going on a semester abroad in spain recently this year last year sorry 2020 and you know i'm of color to these people i am black to them and i am the worst for some of them so i've seen people cross the street when me and my other african friends are walking people would cross the street people would stare you and you know that in caribbean culture staring is pretty pretty rude and so people would watch you wearily people would prejudice you people assume that i was cuban or dominican and we know that dominicans and cubans are predominantly black people and so things like that it's 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 crazy out outside of belize since that you know our racism here is very covertly expressed um the work that needs to be done in belize to eradicate racism and its incarnation is simple start using the right terms start appreciating our identity for what it is um you know teaching our children that you know we are beautiful people we come from beautiful ancestry we come from greatness you know stop the using of the demoralizing and the de- the de- the demonizing of our spirituality and all of those terms that we that are ingrained in us since the day of colonialism um you know what is very sad to me though is seeing our black politicians especially hold power for so many years in parliament representing poor black communities and just keep up keeping the status quo these are black politicians that kept their own black people under their feet for decades upholding status quo upholding institutionalized racism because of power so i think that is very sad in our country and so we need to continue pushing the indigenous 
and African history in our classrooms and, you know, continue the cultural retention, go back to your roots and practice the spirituality of your ancestors. The church will tell you that it is evil, but that is just a Western concept of religion and spirituality, two different things to the church. And so we need to 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 just appreciate ourselves as Belizean, this beautiful multi-ethnic place of freedom and and just greatness to all listeners of this amazing podcast far and wide and empress dominique make we get real about this discussion on racism right racism really and truly if i would take the more formal definition from an anthropological perspective is basically a social construct that has been designed to uh, create segregation, to create an elitist system of superiority of one group of people over another group of people, whether it is because of their economic status, their skin color, and it could be identified or categorized into covert and overt racism where you display stereotypes directly or indirectly. So for all the little subtle and shady comments that you might get from people and you may think that it's just an insult, it's actually covert racism. People covering up their their biases and their stereotypes towards you in in some kind of euphemistic way. Sometimes it's overt, like, like we see in the United States of America, where you would walk up to a black man, for example, and call him the N-word. And so if we want to talk about racism in Belize, we first have to even start off by acknowledging that there is racism in Belize. And for some reason, I will be bold in saying this, we tend to act like, like slavery really and truly worked in Belize like we are the trained slaves because we tend to think that it's all mushy-wushy here in Belize when it's not. Belize really and truly has racism. We have covert racism mostly and we also have an extreme case of classism and colorism and these are also what I call extensions of overt racism. We were, we were once ruled by the British we were once deemed as inferior Creole, black people, Maya people, Garifuna people. We were deemed as being inferior to the British. And so what makes you think that the ramifications of our history will not trickle down into our current modern reality? It would be naive to think such. Um, I could speak about my personal experience right here in Belize. I'm a black man, yes. I'm a Creole boy. I'm an athlete, and so you know athletes, we like to wear our hair in our crazy hairstyles, express our blackness, and it just so happens that I am a target to the police officers. I've been pulled over several times, stopped and searched for guns, ammunition, drugs, never charged, never arrested, but it's because of my physical appearance. Now, that might be something different, or that experience might be different for someone else who comes from another racial background, who may be a bit more light-skinned, might have a little bit more money. But I mean, you see it playing out right here in Belize. And my experiences in the wider world has been even more 
real, if I could say it that way, not being um, taken seriously by, for example, white people waiting in a line um, to get on a plane just because my ticket is a premier or first class ticket, being asked if I was in the right line um, just because I'm a black man. <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? Um, but it's the reality out there. Um, I think that too often we, we turn a blind eye to the reality of racism in Belize. And I think that's because we have not started to have the discussion, the necessary discussion about our past. People tend to think that slavery was not as serious as it was in other countries in Belize, then British Honduras. And that's a total lie, that's a farce. We have got to start teaching our younger children about their history. That is the only way that we could start to develop and identify ourselves for ourselves and have our young black kids know that they are beautiful. Have our young Mayan kids know that they are beautiful. Our young Garfuna kids know that they are beautiful. And so that we could bring this thing to, to rest because ultimately... It continues on and on and on because it has certainly become systemic. It has become ingrained in our institutions and in our organizations. People have been stereotyped. We know the cases of the things that happen, for example, in the bank in Dangriga. Nobody wants to talk about it, but it's racism. How are you going to tell someone from a Garifuna community that they can't speak their language in an institution because the institution's official language is English? Come on now. We need to get serious. And so it's definitely present here. We need to change our educational curriculum in Belize so that we could start to teach our students the ramifications of history and also their history, which has been overshadowed by all these Europe-centric teachings. Now, what I'm glad to say is that we're finally, after so many years, celebrating August 1st as Emancipation Day. Freedom Day, it is called in Belize. That's a very good thing. We are here for it. We want to see it happen some more. We also want to see our Mayan and indigenous people being celebrated some more. These are the things that we have to have the discussions about in order to effectuate change. And I'm so looking forward to where this discussion leads. I mean, this is my time. Dominique, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but Walasaha. <laughs> to me, racism in Belize or in the world rather, is as simple as marginalizing a specific group of people for their culture, their skin, their color, their traditional practices, putting it superior or inferior to another. It's as simple as that to me, right? I don't believe that it's something that is practiced over time in a specific group of people in a community, I believe it's something that we witness as close as home. So it's something that we grow up with and it becomes a norm. I'm better than you. My family is better than your family, right? And 
in many instances we witness it growing up here in this country where we as young people were victims of this behavior so what what we end up doing is we in an argument at primary school or at the, the the very start of schooling preschool you could hear arguments between children at the age of tender ages of four and five years old calling each other or oh, you carob or oh, you yellow belly pan yellow belly panya or oh, you cruffy or oh, you black like monkey you know you're gonna hear these things because children see children do they hear it in their homes they hear it in their neighborhood in their community when they go to the store you know in a basic argument so something like this is very tedious to attack at the root and try to curve right and in Belize it's something that has been happening for decades and it's very hard for you to just get up one day and say we're gonna work on changing this right it starts with ourselves. it starts at home okay so even in my own short period of uh, time living here on earth I could say I've been a victim to racism many times i've been a victim to racism in in a school area in the workplace and it might sound frightening but even in a prayer house you know the church the muslim mosque i've received a certain level of segregation and domestication and racism uh, stuff you in a corner you know Okay, you're not really Muslim. You're the, you're the African. Hurry up and go buy the eggs for me, you little monkey. You know, all these type of behavior. I have been a victim to these things and I keep silent and I just don't get vocal about it. You know, imagine a Muslim person telling you to hurry up and go buy the eggs, you, you little monkey, you black monkey. Come on, man, have some, have some respect. I've read the Quran thoroughly. The, the Quran fight down against these type of behavior, right? And then you have, in, in, in instances, people don't see that as something wrong. They're used to these things. It's too long they've been living like this, you know, classing people, and pushing them to the side. So it's hard for you to, to, to get out of that, that behavior. And like I said previously, what I honestly believe is needed to help eradicate and exterminate this behavior and beliefs from the sources we need to dissect it at homes attack parents the the choice of words at home the language we use at home we need to change it you know calling someone a carob is not cute you know the only reason a group of people used to, to call them this is because they they, they, they couldn't pronounce a, a certain letter you know that's all we don't know our little history. We call the, Hispanic, the, the Hispanic people the, 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 the yellow belly panel, you know, hot coolie. All kind of things we call ourselves. And it's just demeaning things instead of instead of, of, of us looking at how we could cherish one another and love one another for our complexion, for our culture for our heritage as Belizeans. Belizean is very vast in culture and heritage. We, sh we should express more love 
and it starts at home. So there you heard it. The black experience is so vast, so poignant, so pointed at home and abroad, church and mosque, neighborhood to neighborhood. We can recall palace schools in political parties that seem racially charged. We can recall ethnically charged banning and curtailing of black Arinago bodies traversing Belize City in the mid 1900s. We can cite the trawling of black communities in Southside Belize City because, you know, they're the barracks people and they're used to that anyway, right? Right? No. We can look at the media that is fed to us on a daily, the conditioning of our minds to believe that those people deserve that because Belize City people just always in a mess and always the wild out. Writer Ibram X. Kendi wrote, the only thing with black people, the only thing wrong with black people is that we think something is wrong with black people. These idiosyncrasies feed our asymptomatic biases has us localized discrimination and fuels what Redup calls our competing victimhoods. Today, we as Belizean people are confronted with two racial and historical tasks. The first is the decolonization of thought, but also purging ourselves of the lingering double consciousness. Yes, that is the same quagmire that leads us to normalize racially charged terms like yellow belly panya, negrita, ese, coolie, chani, caribbean, and even crofe. All discriminatory and I know you're in the business of engaging in any debate with anyone about whether or not those things are racially charged. We all educate yourself so we not debate. Those things are residuals of a racial history, a racially polarized history that we have as a Belizean people. So educate yourself, don't debate whether or not that is racist, because it is. Point blank, period. You see, Belize's independence and victory was not in the handing over of um, pussy na bag political sovereignty, but we will achieve that victory um, when we deal with the overall decolonization of Belizean-ness. Um, educator Ayandofe Ayo put it beautifully in his 2020 Emancipation Day script turned book, Free Your Mind, and it was published by the UBAD Educational Foundation and the Image Factory for Art Foundation. And he said this, as powerful politicians and educators, these gatekeepers have been very protective of the sanitized version of Belizean history. The question then from me is, are we as a Belizean people brave and bold enough to be honest with ourselves about who we are, about what is staring us back when we look into the mirror? And as the glorious point of light laureate Amanda Gorman put it, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? Stay curious, my friends.
wait, wait. I have something else to say. Well, not me. Somebody else. Whose voice and whose work over the last 25 years has been art. And whose life is art. And who is, I think, um, one of the first descriptors of himself that he'll use is that he's an artist. This is the person I call Maestro Yasser Musa. And I took this clip while I was working at Krim News Center. Um, and I had interviewed him about a book from Ayandofi Ayo that I referenced in the podcast earlier that will be linked in the description of this podcast. But I had interviewed him and essentially wanted to know, well, why publish a book like this? And he gave me a beautiful interview. And there's a clip of it that I took. Now, when I moved to Barbados, my laptop crashed and I had lost most things. Um, And I'm not even sure that I kept that entire interview on my local drive. I think it's at Creme Television. But um, this one minute clip that I've named Yasser on Survival, I think, um, is the cherry on top is the onion sauce pantamales that we all need um that this episode um would would love to have as its culminating factor so you guys can listen to that and yes i'll catch you in another two weeks and let me know what you think of course of course drop me a line on any of my platforms and i'll see you next time I think there is a deeper problem. Whenever a society is scrambling constantly with trying to just find food and trying to just live, it is a design because that design has origins in history where people are not given the opportunity to think, where people don't feel the value of thinking because they are being programmed by a consumerist uh, avalanche of constant, you have to do this, you have to do that, that they forget that they are, and this is what EO addresses big time in his paper, that there are bodies, they are bodies and mind, and that is together, that is not a body separated from the mind. And that the legacy and history of how white supremacy had designed, uh, not just the physical enslavement of the body, that was... I would say that is a kind of easy way, easier type of design, meaning you just chain up people and lock them in a certain place and torture them. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like that is superficial. It is not. But it is a much easier approach. The harder thing which they have accomplished is how to get the same person in their own mind to not believe in themselves anymore, to not see themselves as part of their own self-determining force, And so the the enslavement of the mind uh, is part of the what I call, what many call the decolonization project, which is that we still have decades to go. Now I'll just uh, parroted a word entanglement. I will invent one now. We have decades to go to untangle. We really have a project of untanglement in front of us.